When was the last time I took a road trip? How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's something that we've known since the dawn of bread. Everything is better sliced. Let me explain. Slice a pineapple, you get a blast of fresh fruit. Slice some jeans, get some jorts. That's why the new Captain Morgan Sliced went all in on four bold, deliciously sliced cocktail-style flavors, including pineapple daiquiri, strawberry margarita, mango mai tai, and passion fruit hurricane. Try the new Captain Morgan Sliced because sliced is better. Visit CaptainMorgan.com to find sliced near you. Does not contain real fruit or juice. Captain Morgan Sliced, premium-flavored malt beverage with natural flavor and certified color. Captain Morgan and Co. Plainfield, Illinois. Please drink responsibly. 21 plus. How is your sock drawer looking? I know when I open up mine, it is a sad scene. There's lone socks, holy socks. Well, guess what? It's spring cleaning, which means Bomba's spring collection is here and they have new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They've got stripes and florals, all new vintage colored rib socks. I love them. They are the best sock your feet have ever been in. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bomba's. Head on over to bombas.com slash bonkers and use the code bonkers for 20% off your first purchase. That's B. Bombas.com slash bonkers. Use the code bonkers at checkout. What about the plaque? Is it okay to be single for the rest of your life? And Jason Manzukis joins me for a quar chat about Fast 10 and the implications of Vin Diesel's post. All this and more on a brand new How Did This Get Made mini episode. Hit the theme. Hello, people of Earth, and welcome to a How Did This Get Made mini-episode. I am your host, Tall John Shear, and boy, oh boy, we got a big old show. Uh, Old, last week, we tried to break it down, but you brought so much more to the table. I cannot wait to share with you some corrections and omissions. Jason Manzoukas is joining us in just a little bit, and he rattles off a list of things that I want to watch, read, and, uh, and listen to that... Get out your pens, get out your fucking paper, or just join us on the Discord at discord.gg slash hdtgm, because on the Discord, they keep track of everything that we talk about. Uh, We're going to talk about the whole Vin Diesel Instagram post about The Rock. If you don't know about it, don't worry about it. Just sit back and relax. But I want to give a big thank you to Francis Day for that amazing, that hot, that fresh theme song. Um... By the way, if you've not noticed, every Monday we have started this new thing called Matinee Monday where we release an old episode from the back catalog. Uh, This past week it was Face Off. Next week we have Stealth. And you know who the guest on that is? Charlie Sanders. We love Charlie Sanders. Uh, He is the creator of an amazing show that if you've not checked it out, I think you will love it. It was called Weird City. He and Jordan Peele created it together. It's kind of a comedy Twilight Zone. It's on YouTube. 
It's very, very good. But this is way before that. Stealth is an older episode. Uh, So check out Matinee Monday and you can check out samples of all the episodes with a brand new digital video series that I am hosting on my YouTube channel where we just kind of go back pull out a little section of it and talk about the episode as is. And a big thank you to the Wall Street Journal for writing that amazing article about how did this get made and we hate movies as well as Blank Check Podcast, which, you know, Jason and I love Blank Check Podcast. We've been on, we've talked for hours at length on the Blank Check Podcast and the Blank Check Podcast is the source of contention this week because apparently they just released an episode about old in which they loved old. So we are at odds. Are we at war right now because of our opinions about an M. Night movie? We will see. But without any further ado, let's get into the show because we have so much to do. So much to do. So much to talk about. Uh, And let's get started with hearing from you. That's right. Enough of my yapping. Let me hear what you need your help with because I am the problem solver. I am Paul Shear, and this is my helpline. Hit it! Paul, help. Paul, Paul, help. Help, 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 help. You know what to call. 619-P-A-U-L-S. Or ask. Thank you, Tyler Mann. Um, Look, here's the deal. I'm trying. I'm trying my best to help you all. I got razzed on the Discord. Uh, I don't know if it was my Discord or how did this get made? Discord. You can join my Discord at discord.gg slash Paul Shear. We have 5,000 members in the Paul Shear Discord, and it's been so good. We're doing a 5K celebration. Uh, Thank you all for being there. Thank you to our mods. Thank you to all the great conversation. But the issue that people were hitting me up about last week was that people thought that my advice to the guy who didn't like sports was buck up and enjoy sports. And that was not my advice at all. I'm going to just come out right now and say my advice was simply If you don't like sports, if you are forced to watch them or you find yourself in a situation where everyone is doing that, find a way in, find a narrative that might make it more interesting for you instead of trying to learn the entire game or have a conversation about it in a, in a very big way. Other people suggested, uh, why don't you just let your friends talk about sports to you? Just ask them questions, let them express themselves. Other people said, make new friends. I don't think that that's what you were going for. Um, Either way, I don't think you need to bend. I don't think you need to break. I don't think you need to change friends just because your friends like sports. I think you may want to change friends because they're like, kind of like schoolyard, like shitting on you. Like, oh, hey, daddy didn't throw the ball. Like, that's like, like fucking John Hughes movie villain shit. Uh, Anyway, I just wanted to clarify. I did not just say like sports anyway. I don't even know why I'm getting all worked up about it. Avery from Seattle. Oh, what's up? Hi, Paul, Cody, and Devin. Um, it's Avery over in Seattle. Big fan, first-time caller. Um, I just was hoping for some advice because I have a bit of an issue with my upstairs neighbors. I live in a duplex, and I'm in the basement. And we share, um, like, garbage and recycling bins, and... I just do not know what to do because they are always filling it up to the brim. Like, I wish 
this call line had a photo element, so I could show you right now just how full a recycling bin is with, like, just unbroken down boxes, you know, just the works. And um, they've also started to do something that really bothers me, which is if the bin is full, um, they've just started piling trash up next to the bin, which is a problem for me specifically because the bins are right next to my front door. So I just, I get home from work after a long day and I feel like I'm just living in a trash house. Like it's really gross and sad and it looks terrible. Um, and so I'm wondering what you think I should do. Should I um, find a polite way to talk to my neighbors about this, even though I don't really know them at all and they don't really know me? Um, or should I go over their heads and snitch on them to the landlord? And I don't really feel super good about doing that, but I also don't feel like discussing it with them one-on-one -on -one will necessarily bring us, will fix this, but maybe you have some advice. And thank you for the show. Avery, um, this is a really good, huh, really good question because... The normal thing, I think the thing that everyone might might ask or might tell you to do is just go and talk to them. But we all know that's an uncomfortable situation. You don't want to be put in that situation. We all know that you don't want to be a tattletale either. I think the way that I would do it, I would do it in two ways. First of all, I would call my local uh, garbage collecting company and see if I get another garbage can. And then I would mark one garbage can for me and one garbage can for them. Uh, I know I've added garbage cans to my house and it only costs like $10 more a month or whatever it is. Uh, so that would be my first line of defense. Just avoid the problem entirely and then label uh, the can. The other, here's a super passive aggressive way to do it. You put a note on the garbage can. Please make sure you cut down your boxes from landlord name and you tape it in there. <laughs> Is that bad? Maybe that's bad. I shouldn't do that. Um, but I hate that these garbage cans are in front of your house. I hate that you have to walk by a bunch of garbage. That totally sucks. Um, my window in my first New York City apartment was literally in front of where the deli in front of my building just threw all their garbage. In the summer, it fucking stank. I couldn't open up any of my windows. And then to make matters worse, it was also where people pissed at night because they were too drunk to like find a bathroom. So they just pissed in front of my window. It was, dis it was disgusting. I understand that. I couldn't do anything about that because legally the deli was in there right to put all their trash bags right there. Oh boy, oh boy. Um, so look, I know I said it's uncomfortable and I wouldn't recommend you doing it, but I do think a conversation, if you hit a wall with maybe getting an extra trash can, might just be like, hey, can we cut up the boxes because I can't fit anything inside of it? Uh, or even just appeal to them and going, hey, um, actually, how about this? How about a letter? And make sure the letter is not super confrontational. Like, hey, just want to write you a letter. I know we don't know each other. This is not trying to be confrontational at all. Uh, I've been having trouble fitting my garbage in the cans. Can we just start cutting up boxes because I think it'll give us both enough room? Something like that. Easy. You know, you go out of your way to make it like a non-confrontational letter, you know, and you, hey, I'm so-and-so. This is my thing. Don't mean to be a dick. Not that you have to say a dick, uh, but you could, you know, just like make it like that. Now... Uh, this is what Cody said. And I like Cody because Cody's fucking smart and she's better than me. And Cody says this, um, 
she thinks you should email the landlord so they can send an email reminder. She said that her neighbors do this, so maybe it works. Uh, I like that. Uh, you know what? We're all saying the same thing. Or we're not. We're actually not saying the same thing. I gave you a bunch of different options. I, th- I say pick the one that is the least offensive to you, but I would start with just ordering another trash can and then telling the landlord, hey, I had to order another trash can because they just fill it up too much and my place looks like a junk heap. Also, I want to add... Try to find a place for that fucking garbage can not in front of your door. Can you find another spot for it? Can you do something like I would say try to do that? That's the most important thing. All right. Next question. Go for it. What do you got? Hey, Paul. This is Liam from Ontario. And I've been separated for a few years now, um, happily co-parenting a youngster in elementary school. And this is my question. Um, prior to getting married, having a kid, and being separated, I basically was in one relationship after another, sort of serial monogamous. And for the past few years, I've uh, just been single. And um, I guess what's weird about it is that I just have little to no desire to date. And so uh, I was just curious. You probably know a lot of young families and maybe some people that have been separated And uh, I was just wondering, am I going to be single forever? Okay, cool, man. Take care. Ooh, this is a good question. Yes. No. Uh, What if I just, that was it. Just yes. And then we moved on. Um, Look, man, if you are not into dating, great. Like, who cares? Like, will you be single for the rest of your life? I don't know. I have no idea. But if you were looking for love, I could say, hey. Here are some things you might want to consider doing. Here are some ways you can get out there. Here are some ways that you can meet people that doesn't feel like dating. Or here's a way to meet people that actually is like actively trying to find someone. But I think what you're saying to me is, I'm okay with where I'm at. And if you're okay with where you're at, then be okay with it. And that opportunity to find love, that opportunity to be in a relationship will come around when the time is right. Um, and if you want to make it more proactive, you can, but don't give yourself guilt for doing something that I'm not going to say makes you happy, but that you're content with as long as you're not settling. And sometimes, you know, the worst thing that we can do is be uncomfortable with what we settle on, right? Cause we made a choice. If you made a choice, I don't want to date right now. Then that decision's off your plate. And then you don't have to think about it again. And then if you make another decision later on, be like, oh, I do want to date, then that decision back on your plate. But but you don't want to waste time after you've made a decision. And it sounds to me like you made a decision. This is where you want to be. If you want to find love, the opportunities are there. If you want to find love in in a month, six months, two years, there will be opportunities. But don't give yourself grief about it now. If you're happy, keep on doing what you do. Um, thank you so much for your calls. Give me a call anytime at 619-PAULASK. That's 619-PAULASK, 619-728-5275. By the way, we love these original listener songs that we've heard uh, throughout the episode. And if you want to send me one, please do. We need it for mailbag and helpline and corrections and omissions and the theme song. Send it to howdidthisgetmade at earwolf.com. And remember, 30 seconds or less is the sweet spot. We'll be right back right after this commercial. Today's podcast is brought to you by 
Squarespace. I love Squarespace. I'm in the middle of trying to balance my business life and my real life. This work-life balance, it's tough, but Squarespace has been helping me by giving me the tools to reach my goals and have time to celebrate. That's right. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online with the guided design system of Squarespace Blueprint. You can select from curated layouts to styling options, optimize for every device, get your website discovered fast with integrated optimized SEO tools, Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. You can accept credit cards, PayPal, Apple Pay. Plus, with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about. You choose your tone and enter what you need to get auto-generated perfect text. Anyway, I love Squarespace. I've been building sites with them from the beginning. And when I launched my book, I said I'm doing it all myself on Squarespace, and I'm very pleased with it. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com bonkers to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. I recently went to the Telluride Comedy Festival and I was sick and tired of staying in the same kind of cookie cutter places. And I went on Airbnb and I found a perfect spot for me and the family. We had an amazing time because we felt like home. Then I realized, wait a second, what if I could give that feeling to someone else? Yes, that's the best part. When you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. That's right. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who have never thought about it or didn't even realize that their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and you can make someone feel great and make a little bit of money too because we all need a little bit of money and maybe your talent or your gift to the world is having a killer place. So if you have a home, but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Today's episode is brought to you by Cap'n Crunch. Who said the kids get to have all the breakfast fun time? Break away from the ordinary with Cap'n Crunch and bring back the spirit of adventure to your mornings. Everyday life can be stressful, but a tasty bowl of Cap'n Crunch is an escape from morning monotony. Enjoy the bold flavors like original Cap'n Crunch, Crunch Berries, Oops All Berries, and Peanut Butter. Plus, the crunch you love is now available in cinnamon, and it is delicious. Even in a sea of milk, the crunch of Cap'n Crunch is epic. Yes, my family is all in on the cinnamon Captain Crunch. I didn't think you could make it better, but they did. I love my Captain Crunch, and now I love sharing it with my kids. Join the crew for your next breakfast time crunch venture. Get Captain Crunch's new cinnamon crunch now at a retailer near you, and learn more at CaptainCrunch.com. Now. While you are preparing for next week, it seems like we might have dropped the ball on some things from last week's episode, and we're turning the show over to you as you give us some. That's right, corrections and omissions. That was Chris Purcell. Boy, oh boy, I cannot wait to get into some old talk with y'all because you all figured out some things about old that I'd never quite put together. Um, Let's go right to the Discord. 
Dr. Guts, 1003 writes, the movie Rufus Sewell's character keeps on asking about starring Jack Nicholson and Marlon Brando is the 1976 film The Missouri Breaks. It's a Western about a horse thief and a man hired to hunt the thief down. In an interview promoting old, M. Night explained why Sewell's character keeps on asking about the movie. He said it's from my dad who actually has some dementia and he would not stop talking about Jack Nicholson and Marlon Brando and this movie that they were in. And I was like, Dad, I've never seen it. And he goes, Jack Nicholson, Marlon Brando. And he kept on going on and on about it. And I was like, Dad, I'm putting this in a movie if you keep on talking about it. And he did. For me, it represents this thing that someone's holding on to for their sanity. Everyone must know these are the two greatest actors of all time. Why doesn't anyone know about this? And they can't understand this, but they're holding on to it. It was a kind of funny, sad, beautiful thing about my dad in cinema. Apparently, after the filming on Old Wrapped, he gave everyone in the cast a Missouri Breaks t-shirt. That actually is quite beautiful. And I'm kind of interested in this. I don't want to go too far ahead because we have a call coming up about this. Um, But, you know, M. Night's dad is suffering from dementia. And Rufus Sewell's character is, if I'm not mistaken, called schizophrenic. I don't know why he wouldn't make the character in the film have dementia. Because that seems to me a lot more like, and I think this would make the movie make a lot more sense, that if the character had dementia. We'll get into why I think this is actually a very good point in just a second, because we have a phone call coming up that will, I think, pull us all together and make it so much more confusing. Uh, GT75 writes, when the shuttle drops off the guests, all the guests carry their own chairs, umbrellas, and food from the van to the beach, and later we see some rusty silverware left behind by a previous group. If everyone who goes to that beach as a guest dies, and it's next to impossible to get away from it, what happens to all that beach equipment? Shouldn't the sands be littered with hundreds of chairs and umbrellas since the staff should have no practical way to retrieve them? Also, how did the people at the pharmaceutical company that discovered the beach survive to be able to exploit it? Great, great questions. Um, hmm. Do they have a suit? Can they run in there? I mean, are we absolutely positive are we absolutely positive that there is no way out? I mean, I guess we are. Huh. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, it's a great question. This is the issue that I have with the movie. And I know, look, I'm not trying to pick apart a fantasy. It's a fantasy and we shouldn't get all into the nitty gritty of it. But to me, it seems like no one did any of the, like, the, the thinking, the real thinking about this. And it pisses me off. Cameron H. writes, uh, While I get the need for additional food to account for the children's rapid aging, the movie also specifically states that everything ages two years per hour. Within a few minutes, all of that packed food should have been completely inedible. Well, maybe it was full of Twinkies. But, by the way, maybe those chairs they brought, they age too. Could they age? Can, can furniture age? I mean, I guess it can, right? It can be weathered. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, um, Cameron H. goes on to say, 
Even if the wrapper can somehow thwart the aging process, things are aging super fast. We're told two years per 60 minutes. I'm still working on the exact math, but that's six months and 15 minutes, three months and 7.5 minutes, etc. The reason why the baby dies from neglect is that a month's pass and minutes for it. So as soon as you expose that mayonnaise pasta salad to old beach, it's going to rot unless the scientists have developed some kind of unspoilable age-resistant food. But if that's the case, they're in the wrong business. Now, I would normally have a reply to this, but Corgi Herder simply says, bones turn to dust, but sandwiches are forever. And truthfully, here's the thing. I, I think maybe it only ages people, not food and not chairs. Um, I don't know. I don't know. And it makes me angry that they wouldn't even explain it. Um, I read one here from uh, Chase Blogger, right? And Chase Blogger, I thought, really nailed it. I don't know if this has been mentioned yet, but my wife and I were watching last night and followed up with the episode. They established the rules that the bodies on the beach age 50 years and 24 hours. Illnesses progress faster, wounds heal faster, pregnancy comes to term in 30 minutes, the baby didn't eat enough to live, and the kids complained about being so hungry during puberty. If all of these bodily functions happen at accelerating rates, then... Why were some functions excluded? Yes, get into it, Chase Blogger. All right, they should have been growing hair, beards, long fingernails like crazy. And if one person takes a crap even once per day, that's 365 craps per year. Everyone on that beach should have been running around with insanely long nails and hair, just consistently trying to eat and taking about 18,250 dumps in a day. Chase Blogger, damn it, you are so right. And with that, we turn this over to the phones. Andrew in New York, what's going on? Hi, Paul. My name's Andrew. I'm from New York City. I just have a bit of an omission for old. I watched that movie with my wife. That doesn't really matter, but we were watching it, and at the end... The very end, like, we find out that uh, the two kids, now 50-year-olds, were able to escape by going through the coral, and they kind of leave that, like, up to us as the audience to be like, oh, did they make it? Did they not make it? And and Knight drives back without them to the resort, and then they just show up at the resort, and it's another instance of him playing coy with something that, you know, we probably already know. But then... I didn't question it at all, because like you guys said, like with the Twilight Zone episode, you don't want to poke too many holes because then it just kind of loses the whole point. However, he then goes on to explain how they made it through the coral, which I had kind of no questions about. And because he explained that, all I could think was, well, how did they get back to the resort? How did they get back to the resort so quickly and just like what, like just how did any of that happen? And I didn't question that at all again until he answered how they got through the cor- coral, which I had no questions about. And I guess also, if you had been cast, how would you have addressed this with him in post? Uh, that's my question. How did they get back from the resort? Why did he show us them getting back through the coral and then not answer that? It was insane to me. It, it made it made it just all kind of like fall apart. Um, thank you. I'm glad we're talking about the coral because the coral to me is a bizarre element in this. 
We know they escape, but yet they cut to a flashback of the coral. They're holding their breath for an obscenely long period of time, which, again, if you want to put the baby math on it, if they're underwater for that long, are they aging years? Couldn't they just die if you went underwater for a second or a couple seconds? Wouldn't that be like a month underwater? I don't want to get into that, but that's a whole nother fucking thing that I didn't realize until right now. But we know they escaped the coral. Why do we have to see like, oh, they got stuck like the, is the coral magical? Like what? And I don't care. I mean, look, how did they get there? They probably walked. It didn't seem that that far away. They took a, you know, they walked back there. They got there by the next morning. I don't know when the new van arrived. It's all shit. It's all shit. And it's lazy shit. And that's what I don't like about it. Um, next up uh, from Anonymous. This goes back to the dementia comment. So take it away. Hey, Paul. So I know you mentioned it at the very end, but you know, being that it is based on a comic, I find that the way it was adapted just, I don't want to say he ruined it, but there's just a certain feel of it that comes from the comic simply because Shyamalan seemed to explain with the pharmacy scene, you know, like what is actually happening versus, you know, the comic just leaves it open-ended. You know, the final shot is the baby who ends up surviving, being the one to build the sandcastle, you know, not knowing, like, the terror that is around him and just making the sandcastle and living in the moment, whereas everyone else was panicking and trying to figure out, like, what we're going to do, what's going to happen next, worried about the past, etc. And this is just one thing that I have to disagree with in his change for the schizophrenic doctor in the comic, he has Alzheimer's. So all the like sudden rage, not knowing where he was at the time, makes more sense with Alzheimer's than it does schizophrenia. I mean, that's my opinion on that. I- yes, yes. Now, what makes this more confusing, and we just talked about this, why would you change that? Like, what purpose... Is there to change that, especially coming from the coming from a person who is dealing with someone going through dementia? Um, it feels personal to him. So either he neglected the script to bring in something personal that he could have easily changed, or he didn't want to. I don't know. I. I I, I am so confused at this very simple change that I think is a lot more um, relevant to a lot of people. Or maybe I'm maybe I'm speaking out my ass. I don't want to offend anybody, but I think a lot of us have dealt with uh, people in our lives that have gone through uh, dementia, and that to me is so much more relatable than this other thing, um, which I know is obviously something that affects many people, but. And what I think he what I think he does in showcasing schizophrenia is make it so uh, like I don't know I don't even want to say stereotypical because it's not even it, he just makes it fantasy it's just like it's mind boggling to make that choice the one choice that you have the most connection to you botch and it's already in the comic book that way what the fuck all right now we have an email uh, from a fan named Sarah and she writes. Hi, Jason, June, and Paul. I just listened to your old episode, and I had to tell you, especially Paul, that I also filmed a self-tape for this movie at the height of the pandemic. What a time! And one of my scenes was the 
mid-size sedan scene and I'm trying to make sense of it and it was bananas. I felt the same way. I'm going to leave you my audition tape if you need another laugh in the M-N-S-U. That's the M. Night Shyamalan universe. Uh, Okay, this is great. Oh my God. Okay, I cannot wait. Here we go, people. My thoughts have more colors in them now. Yesterday, I had a few colors and they were very strong. Now there's more and they're quieter. Does that make sense? Oh my God, Sarah, you are amazing. That, why didn't they cast you? They should have cast you. That is a great performance. I think you actually did a great job. And it was so confusing because there was no, there was no details about what this movie was about at all. Like at all. I was like trying to make sense of it. Like even my agents didn't know to even say, oh yeah, it's about this, you know, island where people get older. No, it was none of that. So for you to deliver that in a way that feels uh, like it could have fit in the movie, bravo, bravo to you. Uh, I love that you did the color scene. People keep sending in (laughs) your auditions for old. I know you're out there. We need to see more auditions from old. What did M. Night miss out on? Uh, Sarah did a great job. And you know what? Because Sarah did such a great job, she is the winner of today's Corrections and Omissions. Hit the theme! You called him cause you have something to say Tall Paul Shear is here to show you the right way If your question was the best I bet you're feeling great But you're not getting shit from how did this get made No you're not getting shit from how did this get made Way to go Sarah! Uh, you, you did it. You did the ultimate sacrifice for the show. You gave us a little bit of yourself, uh, in your audition and you actually killed it. So you showed off as good as you are. Uh, that was Devin Helmer with a great new theme. Thank you, Devin, for that. And, uh, let's just take a moment to reflect on everything that we've been through and we'll be right back right after this. Hey everybody. Just wanted to give you a quick heads up here. There's something we should all be doing. It's going to improve your life, make every day a little bit better. And that is eat more Reese's peanut butter cups. Yes. Think about it. All the gurus, all the coaches out there, they've never said the words eat more Reese's. I mean, that combination of sweet chocolate and salty peanut butter. I mean, this is something that brings other people and ourselves joy. That's why there's two in a pack. Shop Reese's peanut butter cups now at a store near you found wherever candy is sold and often in my pantry because I love these. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Have you ever read the entire plot of a horror movie on Wikipedia? Because you gotta know what happens, but you kind of are too terrified to watch it? Well, then you need to check out HeadGum's Horror Movie Recap Podcast, Too Scary, Didn't Watch. Each week, resident Brave host, Sammy Smart, recaps all the gory details of a different horror movie to her scary cat co-hosts, Emily Gonzalez and Henley Cox. They've recapped almost 200 movies from classics like The Exorcist to recent horror films like Hereditary. Past guests include Haley Joel Osment, Betsy Sodaro, and Paul F. Tompkins. Subscribe to Too Scary didn't watch on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes drop every Wednesday. People, my buddy, my co-host, Jason, is back. 
We're going to talk about books. We're going to talk about audiobooks. We're going to talk about Star Wars. We're going to talk about Vin Diesel's Instagram posts. And Jason's going to rattle off a list of things that are going to blow your mind because we were running out of time. He's like, I just got to get it out. Uh, so get out your pens, get out your paper. And Matthew Hubbard, hit the theme. We all know Paul and Jason. Did you know they're best friends? They stick together when times are tough. Friend besties till the end. They chat about things they like to do. Shows and movies and comic books too. We all know Paul and Jason. Did you know they're best friends? Jason, it's November, and things are looking up, but you and I are still in our closets, we are still kind of at home, and there is always going to be a chance or a time for a little Quar Chat. We gotta make time to talk that Quar. We you gotta, know, I, we gotta I don't get know into about it. a lot of you people in the country are out and in the world, for that yeah. matter. If you're a worldwide listener, shout us out. Tell us how it's going where you are. But I'm still spending 99% of my time in the house. Me too. I'm going away. I went away to Hawaii. I had a great time in Hawaii. Nice. Hawaii is very safe. I will say this. Got my booster. Did you get your booster? I got my booster. Yes. Boosted, baby. Yes. Very uh, lucky. I feel very lucky uh, to have been able to get my booster. And my kids are now vaxxed, uh, which is exciting. And I look forward to seeing you more because we actually saw each other for the first time yes. uh, just recently. And that's yeah. so crazy. Just I mean, like I feel like two weeks ago, not even. <laughs> it's so nuts. People are like, that's the first time you've seen Jason. I was like, yes, but there is a connection that I feel to you through this screen oh, <laughs> where it well, didn't feel like too thing. long. We're, yeah. we're so in contact. We're so in you know, I'm 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 looking at you. Yeah. I'm texting with you. Like we're so in each other's world. But yes, like like whatever. Ten days ago is the first time I've seen you in person it since probably the Vancouver show in right. oh February God. 2020. Holy shit! It's I think. Been, I mean that that is not. I mean that probably is exactly I think right. That's it right. That weekend right. was the last weekend I really went out. You know. Wow. Because I didn't do that last Facebook show at UCB Theater that we were right. doing. I didn't right either. Then. Yeah, so there we go. Oh, man. Well, I mean, there's so much good stuff to talk about. And oh, I, my I, God. I, 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 I'm excited. An embarrassment of riches. I, I want to just call it this thing that I'm reading right now that I think you will like. Go for uh, it. A friend of the podcast, Edgar Wright. Yeah. Made this great movie, uh, Shaun of the Dead. And I know last night in Soho, I haven't seen it yet. Yep. I haven't ventured out to the movie theater that much. But, okay. But I will say this. There is a book that Clark Collis wrote called uh, You've Got Red on You, How Shaun of the Dead Was Brought to Life. And it is a great oral history of Shaun of the Dead uh, done with full access and uh, and just embraced by everybody involved. And if you love that movie, I think that this book is on the level of uh, I just read that one about Chinatown as well. Yeah, uh, so good. So good. That's so, a good one. There's a yeah. good one. There's a good one about Goodfellas as well. Oh, really? I'd like Although to read that. I think the other two are better. Uh, the one about Shaun of the Dead and the yeah. one about Chinatown are just a little bit better as books. But um, the Goodfellas one, it has just good stories in it. You Ooh, know, I would love to. Like, uh, good stories. It's an OK book, but good. There's some really good stories. I wonder there. if there's one about Copland, because when. Oh, funny. I, I was working with I, I'm going to be very selective and not revealing any name, but I will say this. I had a friend who was beckoned 
to Copland, to the set of Copland. Copland, just for very quickly, a James Mangold film, uh, an early James Mangold film uh, starring Sylvester Stallone, uh, you know, like a a performance in which Stallone puts on a lot of weight. He does a character actor turn in this movie and was like pretty well received in it. Yeah. Uh, It's a really great movie, actually. Like a really like huge cast. Yep. And I think a lot of people did think like, oh, it, it had like the feeling of Goodfellas because it was like Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, Harvey Keitel, yep. Rappaport, Janine Garofalo, Stallone. It was a great, it was a great, cool cast, Robert Patrick. Anyway, my friend was called out to the set and what he saw on that <laughs> set and the stories, and they're not even like this person was an asshole. It was just the machismo of the set and being yeah. on the set. And yeah. and and the posturing made me like it just it kill it like it's some of the best stuff. And I feel like Goodfellas may have that same kind of that Goodfellas same kind of Goodfellas has really interesting good stuff. Really, you know, and it's also like it's it's also goes into a lot of like how hard it was to get them to cast Ray Liotta. Oh, you know? yeah, that was like, uh, a, like a year and a half it process, right? It was a huge right? process, and it was all sorts of other people were considered for that part, really interesting stuff. Like, you know, good, if you like those kind of good behind-the-scenes kind of stories, I thought it was really, I thought it and was that, it's what, a good, that book I, I listened called, to it as an audiobook. That book is called Made Men, The Story of Goodfellas, uh, written by Glenn Kenny. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and the other one we talked about was The Big Goodbye, Chinatown. That one I love. That one is wonderful in the last years of big Hollywood, and that is And the is one you by, mentioned, the yeah. one that's about Shaun of the Dead, I also got it um, and have started it, but haven't gotten too far into it. No, uh, I and another been, like, book that you shouted out around. a couple yeah. of, a while ago, which is fantastic, is our friend Tom Sharpling's book. Oh um, yeah, wasn't it great? Which he sent me and is phenomenal. So I if really you loved it. Haven't yet? Please seek out Tom Sharpling's book. And if you like Sharpling, if you like our stuff, I suspect you'll like Sharpling. Listen to his podcast. Listen to his. Listen to the best show. It's like one of the best, longest, funniest. Oh, I love you it. know, most. He's just one of the greats. So, and by like, the way, uh, Sharpling's book is called It Never Ends. There's audiobooks, there's hardcovers, Kindles, whatever you want. You can get all these books. Sam Wasson wrote the uh, the the uh, Long Goodbye. That's the uh, the Chinatown and one. Just while silly. we're on books and audiobooks, I'll yeah. just take a brief moment mm-hmm. to say that, you know, um, the second uh, in the Thrawn Ascendancy Ooh. series <laughs> has has come out the, the greater good it's called um this is this is young uh grand admiral thrawn before he's a grand admiral this is when he's still just working in the chiss uh, uh expansionary defense army or whatever um really great and the third one is about to come out so if you're thrawn if you're interested in thrawn or get you're obsessed thrawn with on. the chiss ascendancy as i am get involved <laughs> and that's you know what that's all else. I'm not going to go too deep into Star and Wars. I'm going to give you one more book because we're on the books yeah. of it all. Uh, I just finished Phoebe Robinson's Don't Sit on My Bed in Your Outside Clothes. I love Phoebe oh, Robinson. Nice. She uh, Her stand-up special is on HBO right now. Uh, she's a great writer who has a TV show, I think, coming out on Freeform. But her books are fantastic. And she does something that I think is so interesting, which is they are personal essays interweaved with social commentary. They're huh. incredibly Great. smart. They're really well uh, written. She's This is her 
third book, and they're all great. I I almost think this might be my favorite of her books, but Ooh, maybe cool. just because I just read it. But uh, if you like Phoebe, uh, it's another great audiobook, and I'm a big believer in. I read Tom Sharpling's book, but uh, when you have something like this, like Phoebe's book, like Tom's book, you want to hear it read by. Yes. Phoebe and Tom. Well, I it's mean, that you, thing too, yeah. like our, our friend Nick Offerman has a new book coming out. Yes. And I'm excited to read it, but I was like, oh, I might wait for the audiobook just I know. because that's it's Nick reading it. And that's like, there's nothing better than those people who are like David Sedaris or those people who yeah. are such good performers of their book, whose voices are so uniquely tethered to how they write and how I like to process them. So, you know, I'm excited for Nick's upcoming book uh, as well. I, I agree. I have a copy of it right here. And it is, that is the big, I wrestle with that all the time because it, I don't know, Kevin Hart had a book that he wrote about his life. And what I loved about his audiobook was at the top, he was like, I'm going to give you the gist yeah. of what my book is. Like it was. It's not a, like a direct reading. It's like a. Yes. A, yes. I get and that. I love that. I just love More that. More conversational. Exactly. And it just, it had a great feel to it and a flow and he was able to comment, walk out of stuff. It felt like a stand-up performance in a way, yeah. but it, a much, you know, obviously within, you know, within the boundaries of the book, but it was, it's just so nice. It's so nice. And I know yeah. that you like listening to Thrawn. I mean, who's reading Thrawn there? Is there somebody uh, doing a great Thrawn voice in that audio Oh, well, it's the guy who, who does all of, um, it's the guy, I think his name is, I can't remember his name. It, Timothy Zahn writes them all. And yes. I think the guy, the Oh, wow. Wait, Timothy, name, Timothy Zahn writes these? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Oh, I think, wow, I think wow, his, wow. the guy's name is Mark. Oh, hold on. Give me two seconds and I'll tell you. New York Times. Is uh, Mark Thompson. Mark Thompson. Thank you so much. Who's great and who's been reading, who reads all of the Thrawn books. Oh, so the wow. first Thrawn series that was contemporary, that was more contemporary with Thrawn's like introduction into the Empire and yeah. rise through the ranks of the Empire. Um, and these are prequel books to the, a prequel trilogy to that, which is young uh, Thrawn kind of rising through the ranks in the Chiss Ascendancy. Oh my. Okay. I love it. All. I'm like love it so all. deep into like Thrawn and so excited that the Ahsoka show um, has announced that Hayden Christensen is going to appear uh -huh. somehow as Anakin or Darth Vader or both. Um, I mean, are we going to get some sort of, how, what are we going to get? Are we uh, like, how, are, how connected Jason, to I've Ahsoka heard... and, and Vader in, uh, rebels are we going to get the I, twilight of the apprentice? What's going to happen? I need to tell you that I won't even tell you offline because I know how much it means to you. I've heard some things that are cooking up. Oh, at Lucasfilm. Nice. Don't tell me. I'm not gonna tell you a word, but Ooh. it's good. It's Ugh. really good. And Ugh. there was one specific. It's a very tiny. It's not like, oh, Harrison Ford's back. It's nothing big. It was just a type of character that is <laughs> coming into the world in one of the series. And right. I was like, oh, I've never seen that in Star Wars. And I'm cool. very, very excited Ooh, about nice. that. Okay, great. Yeah. So I'm a stoked. lot of, lot of, lot of fun Star Wars stuff coming up. Uh, yeah. And then sadly... Uh, our friend, or I don't know if you know him as well as I do, uh, but our friend Matty Robinson, who worked on Rogue Squadron with Patty Jenkins, that just fell apart. So I was bummed. Yeah, out about I that. just saw that. I didn't. I didn't. I don't yeah. know. Uh, I don't know any details or anything that's going on. But that was disappointing to hear. I mean, I was... now we're on on the on the pile of like 
Star yeah, Wars right. movies that are just on like on the feature side, yeah. they really can't keep it together. But thank no. God for Filoni, yes. who is just crushing. I you know? do believe that there's something. I mean, I know this is silly to say because Star Wars is a movie, but I do believe there's something about a series and Star Wars that works a little bit better. Or, agree. you know, it's like you can take your time and build out the well, world. And I think that I agree right now. I think that's true. But I absolutely think you could people could be making Star Wars movies right now and they could work. Well, I look, think the I mean, way I'm, they're approaching yes. it, though, is so ass backwards that they need to go D.C. with correct. it. Correct. They need and to get Snyder in. Yeah. like they yeah, Get <laughs> Snyder in there. Make it darker. Um, <laughs> literally, just visually darker. I, but, I, but I do like, look, uh, Guillermo del Toro, he pitched ideas. It didn't bite yeah. on any of his ideas. The Game of Thrones guys, they had a thing. I haven't yeah. heard anything about that. You know, they, it's dead. They, it's dead. dead. So yep. there you go. It's, I don't like, know what's going on with uh, Ryan Johnson's proposed trilogy. No. I don't know if that's dead now. I, I'm genuinely like, I'm heartbroken for the death of like uh, the Star Wars cinematic stuff. But uh, hopefully it will come out. Maybe maybe good Star Wars movies will be an outgrowth of the series. And you I, know, and, maybe and, that's the thing. Maybe they'll introduce characters in the series that will then get a movie or something. You and know? at the risk of... Uh, of repeating ourselves, I will say if we haven't mentioned it and you haven't checked it out, you got to check out the Colin Trevorrow comic oh, yeah. book version of his script that was not made as yep. the third film following Ryan Johnson's uh, Star Wars, which I think was really well done. The, better. The, the way that they yeah, are. Better. 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 And mostly better. Yeah. Not, not, not perfect by not any perfect, means. But, uh, but, but if they better. shot that script, I think it would have been a better I would have liked it better than yes. The Last Jedi. For I, absolute, not I, The Last Jedi. I'm sorry. Uh, 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 Rise uh, of Skywalker, Skywalker rather. Yes. Which I started uh, watching I the other night the on TV. Oh, yeah. No, I can't. Yeah, I know. I just say, I was watching it and I was like, this is. But when I you, will say, I've jump now into watched it. Yeah. Star Wars Visions multiple times through. I know we didn't really get too deep oh, into it. We haven't talked about it in the past, which is fine. And now we're farther enough away from it. But. Just because it relates, episode one of Star Wars Visions, The Duel, which oh, is yeah. that incredible kind of Kurosawa mm -hmm. uh, uh, um, episode. I mean, a lot of them reference Kurosawa, but this one especially, yeah. The Duel. There is now a book featuring that Ronin character. Um, there is a, now a book and an audio book, which I just got, that is a full novel about that guy. So oh, wow. to me, I'm like... Make that then now spin him into a movie, even though it's non-canonical. Make him give us a movie with this person. Well, by the way, you know? did you know that the Village Bride has been submitted for the Academy? I Awards? saw that. Yeah, interesting. The Village Bride, like un uh, unimpeachably, just like an incredible piece of television. I mean that. There, yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. All right. Let's. Star let's Wars. We, we said we wouldn't we, talk too much. I know, and then we got into it. Yeah, we got into. We got too much let's into go. it. Let's go. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. Oh, man. Um, I also, oh, uh, you know what yeah. I will say? Sorry. Just because yeah. we, we were talking about books. So I'll just very briefly list the two books that are on my list and mm -hmm. we can just move on. Yeah. One we talked about with Ed Brubaker recently. His third reckless book just came out. It's we fantastic. It. It's great. Get it. Get it while you can. And then starting, I believe, next week is going to be Disney Plus's Marvel's Hawkeye series. Yes. Um, is My be buddy on. was the showrunner of that. Uh, oh, cool. Yes. And I'm very excited. Uh, we've talked. Yeah. I'm very excited. And Good. and I will so say my, that. My yeah. assumption is, based on what I've seen so far, is a lot of this series is going to be based on the Matt Fraction, David Ahas book. Mm -hmm. 
that came out, uh, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 years ago. Uh, maybe, yeah, 10 or 12 years ago. It's called Hawkeye, and it is primarily a book about Hawkeye owning an apartment building in Bed-Stuy and kind of getting Kate Bishop, young Kate Bishop, young Hawkeye, who's yeah. part of the new Avengers, as his kind of sidekick and what a fuck up he is, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so it looks like ish. Pe- it looks like pieces of that are going to be pieces used of it, yes. in the show. Because so I, think I was just going to still... shout it out so people could read it yes. in case they were the same way that I was like, read Tom King's vision book if before WandaVision, even though it's not a one to one. There's stuff in here that's that you and it's also I will say this one of my favorite comic series of the last 20 years, you yeah. know, is, I, uh, is Fraction and David Aha's I, I love, I mean, they it's it really There's is an entire issue that is from the point of view of Hawkeye's dog. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And I love the way it's drawn. Yeah, you're right. The, the, the drawing of it. But the, all right. The I think, Jason, what I really need to talk to you about this week, because I think it's important to talk about. Go. And people have been requesting us to talk about it. Oh, is the post that Vin Diesel put up oh. this week yeah, 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 about yeah, yeah. Fast yep. 10 and 11. And if you have not read it, I'm just going to this week on Saturday, uh, Vin Diesel posted a picture of himself and The Rock from one of the Fast and Furious movies. At this point, I can't really tell which one. I believe it's Fast Five. Um, he well, says, uh, "Can I? Can I? Yeah. Interrupt you briefly. Yeah. Because the pic, he, it, there's a picture, yes, and it's is, an yeah. individual picture of Vin and an individual picture of The Rock. They're not sh- sharing the frame, I don't believe. And Vin has been photoshopped to be bigger than The Rock. Well." It looks like he took fan art that oh. actually moved. Is that it? Well, because it they are in one frame. It's Vin getting in the rock's face, but it looks like they were pushed together and Vin was put through a machine that made him larger. Like well, he is larger. He, he, yeah, because Vin is not bigger than the rock the no. way this picture looks. No. And I'm almost positive that's from the movie that they shared no scenes together. Um, I think that this is the other movie, the first movie. Okay, the f- okay, yeah, okay, I think this it. is like I mean, okay, this is this ahead. is the yeah. Rock in his full military. This is oh, the Rock okay. when he was still yeah introduced. A cop. Okay, yeah. got it. Okay, so Vin Diesel writes, and I mean, we do you want to like we should do it like the trailer where we just stop and take a moment to like reflect on it. Yeah, like, go uh, for it. All right, here goes my little brother Dwayne. Already, already. I mean, I mean, little brother. Like, like to like diminutively speak to the rock who towers over you in every way is incredible. I mean, my little brother. And then he calls him Dwayne, which I also believe is a slight like. And I know that you probably won't want to call him my hey, hey, rock. Although I don't know. Do people call him the rock? Maybe call him Dwayne. Call him Dwayne on set. Like, is you know, I don't know. I don't know. That one is up for grabs. But but my little brother Dwayne is definitely condescending, I feel like incredibly and it goes back harkens back to the uh the thing that vin diesel released when fast nine came out where he said hey uh i just i i i was tough on vin to get a better performance out of him like he has been one to yeah to stoke this fire so my little brother Dwayne, the time has come the world awaits the finale of fast 10 as you know my children refer to you as uncle Dwayne in my house (laughs) (laughs) There is not a holiday that goes by that they and you don't send well wishes. So I guess what he's saying is, I know this is public, but we all know you are sending me a Christmas card and I'm sending you a Christmas card. Like, so like 
he's he's showing you how the sausage is made here. But well, he's, he's like he's it's it's and I think we we send this on a text chain that we are yeah. on the public theater of this. This performative yes. public theatrics of making the private public, yeah, you know, like is is really not subtle. It's very no, it, it, it and clumsy. is it is like um, that Kevin Neal and SNL character where he did like the trying to uh, subliminal man, subliminal man. Yeah, it's like it's there. We we yeah. see it. We see what's happening here, yes. and uh, so he goes. Uh, okay, uh, the time has come. Legacy awaits. <laughs> I told you years ago that I was going to fulfill my promise to Pablo, Paul Walker. Uh, Paul Walker, Pablo whose daughter become, he just whose daughter he just walked down the aisle yes. when she got married, and and I believe like I will say that I have issues sometimes in thinking that Paul Walker was like if if I if anything is to ever happen to me, please yeah finish this franchise. Please take yeah. care of the, not like not my family take care of this franchise. But anyway, I, that that's a whole other argument. God bless, and I love that he is continuing this. I, I swore that we would okay. I told you years ago it was time that we were going to fulfill my promise to Pablo. I swore that we would reach and manifest the best fast in the finale, and that is ten. I say this out of love. But you must show up. Do not leave the franchise idle. You have a very important role to play. Hobbs can't be played by no other. I hope that you rise to the occasion. Hobbs and fulfill can't be played by no, no other? other. I mean, by the way, now he's threatening negative. him to be like, yeah, I I'll can just recast, recast you. you. How do now, you recast The Rock? I guess my issue is this, and this is what I really think about here. Fast and Furious is a giant franchise. We know this. It's huge. Right. But does Vin Diesel not quite realize how big The Rock is, too? Or like, how big Hobbs and Shaw was? Yeah. Like, I feel like there is an element here that is missing, which is... Yeah. It, it's not like... <laughs> it, it, it is like... He, it, it's a very interesting... <laughs> it's an interesting point of view for him to take. Uh, like... People would be equally mad with him if he recast him. But I think what he's trying to do is say, like, I'm falling on my sword. Yeah. I'm this asking is my last you. ditch effort. I'm begging you to come do this. Don't make me recast you. It's like, right. an un, you know, I can't do that. But, you know, you know, he's basically saying, like, that's what they are. What? That's what the studio is going to make him do or something. Well, like, it's can like you imagine the studio being like, we're going to have to recast the star of Hobbs and Shaw. I, and here's the other. <laughs> and here's the other thing. I saw Fast 9. You saw Fast 9. Yeah. We enjoyed Fast 9. But yeah. I didn't, I would have liked to see The Rock. I didn't miss The Rock. It, these stories can be told. With, there's like a cast of, of thousands here. Now, if I'm The Rock, I go, I don't want to lose face. Yeah. I want to continue doing Hobbs. I want to have a whole, Hob I want to do my Hobbs as James Bond, whatever, yeah. miniseries. Of course. I think Hobbs shows up like Charlize, pop yes. him in a room for a day, have him yep. shoot eight scenes and pepper him through the movie. He doesn't have to be on set with Vin and get him in and I out. Believe, I believe I got, I think I got confirmation that I think Charlize was on set for two days. Two days. Okay, yep. so one day in the box, one yep. day in the and one plane. day outside. Yeah, yep. okay, great. <laughs> um, and, that, and that was it. Um, no, I agree. Like, I think I, I do, I can't imagine. Here is my prediction. Yeah. My prediction is that both Hobbs and Shaw 
and obviously Charlize. Yeah. But both Hobbs and Shaw will be in Fast 10 and 11. And I'm here on record saying I think Giselle will be um, I- included somehow. I... Uh, uh, Gal Gadot's character, I, to be clear. Giselle I, yes. from the earlier movies. I agree with you. I think no one ever dies in the Fast and Furious world. I yes. think that Giselle, uh, Giselle, not Giselle. Uh, I think that uh, Gazelle can come back. She moves yeah. like a gazelle, but she her moves. name is Giselle. <laughs> uh, but I do believe that, here's why I believe the, the feud will end. Because The Rock is good at business. Yes. And I think The Rock knows, ultimately, I don't like this guy. I never have. But we all benefit. We all get a piece of the they're pie gonna here. Th- they're going to, if the studio is smart, which they are, they know what they're sitting on. Yeah. They're going to look at this and be like, these are the last two movies, right? Right. These movies are going to be huge. Yeah. Money, money makers. So they're yeah. going to throw so much money at Gal Gadot, at The Rock, at Statham, at anybody whose reluctance is holding them back. And at some point, there's just going to, I think, become a number and and whatever they're asking for, i.e., I don't want to have to do scenes with Vin, or I don't. Or wanna, I get to you know, punch him in the dick. Like here, whatever. I'll come back. Yeah. <laughs> let me get one shot, one dick shot. One dick on. shot. <laughs> or let me look down at his his dick and go, wow, that's a small dick. Like one thing that oh, you get to. That would say. be incredible. <laughs> That'd be incredible. But I do I do think all of those people will find their way back because I just can't imagine that. I feel like the studio is just going to keep trying to make them. Well, to give them what they want is what I mean. Well, you know, and, I, and I do believe that like there might be uh, a piece of the puzzle. Like, hey, here's that passion project The Rock wants to make. Go, well, yep. like, universe, we'll, like we'll, come, we'll, yep. let's yep. do it. Because I also believe that The Rock, I mean, first of all, the prophecy must come true. We all know that that is, that is you know, the world needs to go forward. We all know this is going to happen. Notre Dame has predicted it. But the idea that I think The Rock does understand that he owes it to the people, not Vin Diesel. And yep. and he knows how good he is. And if The Rock comes in and like steals the movie, oh yeah. What an epic fuck you. I mean, it would be incredible. It would be yeah. incredible. Dude, the, I cannot wait to find out what these movies are gonna be. Like I mean, this they've yeah. now that they've gone to space, like what possibly could they do to heighten these movies? Well, this is okay. So this is my issue, which is simply this. I just saw the new James Bond movie, which I loved. Oh, oh nice. Oh, it I is coming yet, but I've it just is coming re-watched. out on VOD this week. Yes, I know. So okay. I've just rewatched the others. Um, in which preparation. I, I would love to let's next quar chat talk about all of this, but I'll say this in watching the last two Avengers and now watching no time to die. Both of those films uh, really landed incredibly gracefully. Like, you know, yes. they just, they had this like, and, and they're really well done and they're really smart. And those are heightened worlds, but I believe fast and furious is too heightened to figure. Like, I don't know well, how the other you thing do that it. fast. The other thing that fast has a, has a problem with right now is so many of the fast movies were written by one person. Yes. And then now only now have they started getting new writers in. So Fast right. 9 was written Dan by somebody Casey. different. Yeah. And I think 
Fast 10 and 11 are going to be written by different people also. So uh, Yes. So uh, right I now think... it says Gary uh, Scott Thompson okay. is going to be the guy who is going to be writing, okay, I it. believe, both. So the question or, yeah. will be like, you know, there's something about the cohesiveness of Marcus and McFeely writing through mm-hmm. the end of uh, the Avengers kind of mm-hmm. uh, uh, the through the end of phase three. You know what I mean? Right. But the real, right, Marcus, I said yeah. that, right? right? Yeah, yeah. I, I know Marcus and Philly, That yeah, that's all, that's, that's Marvel. That's who yeah. did the Marvel yeah. guy, right? Yeah. Um, so there's something cohesive about that. They've been writing towards it all this time. They and basically now... took over at Winter Soldier and then kind exactly. of drove the Russos exactly. through. Yeah. And the Russos. So, you know, um, it'll be interesting because it'll be new people writing and that is going to be what, so this whole thing is going to be, the, the they're going to have to land the plane with new people writing all of these the, both of these next well now I'm looking online and, and like again I like we don't know and I think it's you know it, we'll see they're also saying that but actually sorry that Chris Morgan might be coming back here for oh, fast yeah, yes. oh great because okay, the the, the great. characters are yeah. Gary Scott Thompson I was confused sorry oh, and okay, alright cool. so, right. so it might be it might be that but I will say this yes but I believe that as much as I love this world and I don't I almost don't think it should end Fast and Furious has the entourage problem, which is it always wraps up pretty nicely. Like, you know, yeah. it's like there is no hanging. There is no like hanging. Um, oh, my God. Well, what else, what are they going to do now? I mean, yes, Charlize is still out there, but it doesn't yep. feel like they're impending. They're never in danger. It's not a cliffhanger. Every yes. one of the what's interesting. It's so true you say that because these are a set of movies that we really understand are ongoing. And yet they never end in a cliffhanger. Right. Like, which which most Something's other movies bring them in a series in. would. So they then have to, every beginning of a movie, start from scratch to build it back up again. So what's, what's interesting is we don't, we don't have any, I don't, have unanswered questions from nine. No. That ten needs to, that ten I mean, there are resolve. things, but like, there are things, but it doesn't really make a difference. And I will say this, <laughs> what, what is interesting about James Bond, and I think what uh, made this Bond different. I love different, that we can talk like this about Fast and Furious, like it's... Like it really, like we're talking about, like it is unspooled and it's like, this is important cinema. We need to, we need to break this down. There, there is something about James Bond. I think the reason why this film works as a completion of the Daniel Craig saga is because there is enough hanging things in each movie. Now, while each movie felt like a James Bond movie, there was enough stuff that hung there. And I think even though when it was shoehorned in uh, pretty atrociously, in my opinion, Inspector with uh, with the Blofeld character, uh, they were working towards like, like... They were trying to do a thing. Yes. You know, and, like... And yeah. There's much in within the Daniel Craig movies. There's just even and watching them just recently. Yeah, it, it sticks out even more. There is serialized growth. And, yes. you know, you start to really understand Bond cumulatively as a yes. human being in a way that is different from the previous Bonds, you know. And what's interesting is they've been willing to take that chance and make him, you know, like I think Bond really changed when Daniel Craig took over and they really made it feel more like born 
Yes. You know, so it felt more like a character study inside of a spy story rather than just spy stories. I you think know? I think if we do or we I think if Bond is smart, they will continue to say Are we doing Bond? We're gonna do Bond. Are we taking over Here Bond? Yeah, I gotta talk is to you. Is this the some, announcement? I gotta talk to you about some of the casting. Oh god. <laughs> the, gonna the, be, the the Matt Gorley and those guys are gonna be pissed. I know they're gonna be mad. And they're very big Bond up for but <laughs> they're we gotta big, do it. They're we better gotta, Bond fans than we are. And we gotta do it. We just gotta do it. We gotta say yes. We gotta get we gotta say yes. Uh but I think the issue is is I, I if they go forward with Bond, the only way I think to do it is to tell a story like this for each actor who approaches the role that they have uh-huh, yeah. a little bit of like yeah, it's five movies it's four movies it's we're telling you a story of a 007 and one of the cool things they do do and again without saying anything they do a very nice tip of the hat in this last movie to the bond franchise which oh, cool. i think is really interesting and i think that that's and that i think is like what I think they need to continue to do. It's like, yeah, you know, because it's like there has been those conversations. Are there m- multiple Bonds? Is this, is is Bond a code name? Is 007 a code yeah. name? Whatever it is. And uh, there's interesting things to be said about that. But anyway, cool. Fast and Furious, I think, has that problem. I think Fast and Furious has that problem yes, where it's like, agree. I, I don't know where the character growth is because they all there seem, any. there's none. There they, isn't any. And, and I'm just, fine with they're that. They're all plot based now. And Fast I'm and fine with that. become plot based essentially, which yeah, is fine. Like they're, they're living they're their lives. They have their kids. Yeah, they, they totally like, you know, there's nothing left on the table to really unearth. And yeah. even we, we talked about this when the John Cena character, even when the John Cena character comes in, even that is left like, and now we're friends. So it's like, uh, to what end? To what end are we going to like, is there yet a a sister? Does the dad come back? Like you have to invent something for them to rally behind. I feel like that's where they're in a tough spot because they've got to finish a a now 11, what will be a a, a 12 movie franchise inclusive of Hobbs and Shaw that really has no serialization inside of it at all. You know, every movie kind of stands alone. Yeah. Um, and, and is, and some of them con- directly contradict each other. The timeline uh, yes. is all sorts of a mess. And like we've talked about many, many, many times before, this is a movie series that started about street racers and petty thieves and has now, at this last stage, been about people who are the world's greatest hackers flying in outer space in a DeLorean. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you justify that, that. That Where is the what is this? And I love every goddamn minute of it. But this would be a very difficult challenge, I feel like, for whoever's coming in to kind of try and wrap this up. Yeah, um, this is tough. This is tough. I mean, I don't, you know, look, but if they want us, we'll show up and we'll We're get in, in there and we'll roll up our sleeves and we'll figure We're, it out. Yeah, I'll get, I'll put the work in. I'll put the elbow grease in. Come on. I mean, we got to do it. And now, Jason, um, yeah. we have been talking for almost 40 minutes. So I want to just, uh, let's, let's see what you got in your, in your, Boom. in your little uh, I'm just sheet. Gonna, I'm going to sit I'm back. I'm going to run through, I'm going to run through things that I've been watching and or listening to that I think are absolutely worth your time. Okay, great. I love it. Ready? Go. Go. Uh, I mentioned it on a mainline episode recently, but the other two, season two, incredible. Absolutely an incredible season of television. So funny, so heartwarming, like an incredibly sweet but hard jokes. Um, Star Trek Lower Decks, Paul, which you are on, and June, I finally got to that episode. Oh my gosh, right, fun. 
So good. Season two of Lower Decks, incredible. Ultra City Smiths, I'm a voice in that. The yes. show is incredible. What We Do in the Shadows, season three, incredible. I just Wellington started watching Paranormal. that. Great. Wellington so, Paranormal, okay. incredible, which is the spinoff oh, show of the, movie, okay, yeah. Yeah. of the movie What We Do in the Shadows. So it is like Wellington's Paranormal X-Files yes, department. Yes, I've, I've heard about but this. But it's yeah. bumbling and it's fucking hilarious. Um the BBC version of the TV series Ghosts. They have remade it now for American television. I don't know who. I haven't watched oh, that. Oh, yes, but yes. But the BBC version has a lot of overlap with the with the people who did Staff Let's Flats. Yes. Which I loved. And this show is wonderful. Love Life Season 2. Love Life Season 1. Absolutely terrible. I hated wow. it. Didn't finish it, wasn't enjoying it. Love Life Season 2, it's an anthology series, so each season follows a different character's love life. Every episode is a different relationship. This season is William Jackson Harper, who played Cheaty on The Good Place and is one of the most electric actors to watch on screen, and he is crushing this season really good. Um... Good timing with Joe Firestone is Joe Firestone's special. When this pandemic began, Joe Firestone started teaching a stand-up comedy class on Zoom to elderly people. And this is a special that includes Joe and those students inside of a comedy special. And it is absolutely incredible. I love this. Uh, there's a woman I follow on t- uh, TikTok, an older yeah. woman who does jokes. Oh, that's and it, great. It's, it is uh, so fun. Bitchin', The Sound and Fury of Rick James is a docu- yes, documentary about, about Rick yes. James. Okay, great. Um, you mentioned Edgar uh, earlier, Edgar Wright, who yeah. has uh, One Night in Soho, Last Night in Soho out right now. Uh, he put out a documentary about the Sp- about Sparks, the band Sparks, Which a is couple finally of out. months yes. ago. The Sparks Brothers, it's on Netflix. It's incredible. Beverly Glenn Copeland is an incredible musician. There's a documentary called Keyboard Fantasy that's uh, that's available to rent right now. Absolutely transcendent and wonderful. And last but not least, an animated movie called The Spine of Night is one of the most incredible uh, animated metal movies. I've, I'm saying it, describing it as metal because it is like a high fantasy, brutal, animated kind of oh my incredible God, fantasy amazing. story. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible it's called the spine of night and it's really i urge you if you are somebody who gets stoned get stoned and watch the spine of night i've watched it twice now it's so good the new season of the plot thickens tcm's podcast is about lucy uh is about uh lucy the new season of you must remember this is about sammy and dino uh and that has just started and the new season of Slow Burn is about the L.A. riots. All three of these are some of my favorite podcasts, starting new seasons that are so far very promising. I will say one more thing to you, and I don't know if you've seen this, and we can talk about it next time as well. Yeah. Uh, Inside number nine. You know about the show? Oh, I watched the first one. Yes. Yeah, this is really interesting. It's a British black comedy series yep. uh, that's an anthology. Every episode is different. The only thing that keeps them all together is the number nine. Yep. And uh, And... Uh, 12 Days of Christine might be a good one for people to start on. It was recommended to me, and I've oh, just nice. watched a okay, handful, good. and uh, I think you will like that. I also... Yeah, I've, I've, I've so far only watched the first episode of and that series, I and I believe I uh, A Quiet Night In is the other one that I think are like okay. good, good uh those Good are episodes starters. of Inside Number Yes, nine. those are... Yes, yes. yes. Okay, uh, got it. Yes, it's, I, yeah, I'm going to double check on that, but I know that 12... 
Days of Christine, you can just jump in, and that's great. Um, And, of course, this time of year. Jason, a pleasure as always. We'll chat next time. Uh, More to talk about. What a delight. What a delight. Great to see you, Paul. Talk to you soon. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Now that we got old out of the way, let's talk about next week's movie. We are going from the twist and turns of death to a match made in heaven. That's right. Next week, we are watching the 1987 masterpiece Made in Heaven, starring Timothy Hutton and Kelly McGinnis. Here's a short breakdown of the plot. Timothy Hutton meets Annie in heaven and can meet her again if he can find her 30 years later on Earth. Rotten Tomatoes rates this film a 50% on the tomato meter, but the audience gives it a whopping 83%. Here's what Roger Ebert had to say about the movie. Made in Heaven is original and even spellbinding in the scenes set in heaven. It finds nothing new to say about Earth. All right. Wow. Ebert laying it down, bringing me one way and then twisting it just like M. Night. Take a listen to the trailer. Their love was fated by the stars, written on the wind, and blessed by the angels. I'd like to marry you. According to heaven, we already are. But now, she must leave to begin a new life. Well, how long do you stay up here before you go back to Earth? I'm going on I am. I'm going to be somebody's baby. And he's got to find her, or lose her, forever. You send me back as a boy. Anything on earth stand in the way of a match made in heaven. I'll find her. You can rent Made in Heaven on most Apple, Amazon, Vudu, and YouTube uh, services for only $1.99. And please check your local public libraries where you can find these movies for free and even rent them online for free. Um, we will see you next week on the show. And remember to rate and review the show. Check out our article in the Wall Street Journal. Visit us on Facebook, IG, and Twitter. And uh, you can watch the Matinee Mondays on my YouTube channel. You can join our Discords on my Discord or uh, How Did This Get Made's Discord. That's discord.gg slash hdtgm or slash Paul Shear. And uh, for all the How Did This Get Made archives, sign up for such a premium. For a free one-month trial, use the code BONKERS. It's B-O-N-K-E-R-S. And you can listen to every episode of How Did This Get Made, even the new ones, commercial-free. A big thank you to... Our super producer, Cody Fisher, our MVP, Molly Reynolds, our audio engineer, Devin Bryant, and of course, everyone who makes this show possible, which is you. That's right. You all make this possible. And there's one person who makes it sound all good, puts it all together, makes sure there's not a mistake in the mix. And that person is July Diaz. July, I tip my hat to you. We'll see you next time on How Did This Get Made for a little movie called Made in Heaven. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.